Welcome back to the Curative Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sutarji, and today my guest is Jessica Gutierrez, who is an artist and educator and also one of the coordinators of Martha Street Art. In this episode, she gives me advice on how to lead, on how to teach, and we talk about offering a creative space with inclusion, which is a very important topic, especially today. Don't forget to like and subscribe, rate and write a review for my podcast, and enjoy the show. Cool. Thank you, Jessica, for coming to my podcast. Thank you. So I know that um, you're an artist, you're an educator, um, you do so many things. You're a community manager for Martha Street Art. Um, why don't you kind of talk about how you got started with everything? And, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to each and every part from that. Okay. Um, I think that there's multiple avenues, I guess, that I got to where I am. Um through like reflection, I'm starting to realize all these pieces that are interconnected. But I started working, I guess, two, three years ago at a coffee shop called Social Policy Sopo okay. downtown. Where is that at? Um, downtown yeah, San Jose? Yeah, you know, like where Johnny Rocket Rockets is? Oh, I'm not that familiar okay. with San Jose. So if you just go straight down First Street, there's like the light rail right by Chavez Plaza. There's a coffee shop there okay. um, called Sopo. So I had started working there. I found out about it through a friend. Uh, I was finishing, or I was, I guess I was finishing up my my first semester of, of student, te- or my teaching program, my credential program. Um, and I was looking for a job because uh, I had just been nannying a lot. And I ended up working at this coffee shop. And then simultaneously, uh, my friend Bree, she was the one that connected me with that space. Mm-hmm. I started getting involved as an intern and in doing work trade for a yoga studio, a don- donation-based yoga studio called Be The Change. And that was also on First Street. So um, working through these spaces, I started to see that like a lot of the, the arts and like music community kind of converged onto First Street oh, in downtown nice. San Jose. Because prior to that, I had... I mean, I lived in San Jose since 2013, but I was like really in isolation for a lot of that time just as a student at San Jose State. Okay. Um, wasn't really familiar with what was going on like in the world of San Jose. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I had worked at Sopo. I met a lot of like artists through that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would meet a lot of people that were customers. So like Isaiah from San Jose come up, he used to be a regular there. I didn't, oh, cool. I didn't connect that until later on, but there were like all these faces that I started to see. Right. And then I would walk to work every day and I started to see like the faces that were always down that little plaza area. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to, there's Phil's Coffee on like 4th Street. I lived at an apartment next to there. So every day I would walk to work and I'd kind of see the same um, faces over and over again. And then I was working for Be The Change, starting to get involved in like the, the wellness community mm-hmm. um, and meeting other folks in the community through that space. So I guess that was kind of like the starting point. Um, in terms of getting directly involved in the arts community, um, in November of 2018, I had decided that I wanted to start putting on art shows. And mm-hmm. so... I didn't really deeply start get, getting involved until I started putting on that show, the shows because people started coming that I met from other communities. 
Um, and then I started to attend their events or I would go to like Cafe Stretch or different art shows for First Friday mm-hmm. and just see who's around, like who's in my community, what people are here doing things um, that I can connect with and build community with. Okay, um, cool. So that was really like the starting point yeah. of it. Yeah. So um, you said back when you were in college, you didn't really do much outside of SJSU. Mm-hmm. Um, but were you part of clubs or anything um, where you were... Um, doing events or mm-hmm. anything like that? Not events. I had, so when I had joined at San Jose State, um, I didn't know anybody. Okay. I I think that when I went away to college, um, I was really excited to like learn because I've always loved learning. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited to like have structure of my academics. And so I put a lot of energy into that and into my studying Um, And I started getting involved in the ceramics community. So we have the ceramics guild at San Jose State. And so I started connecting with people through that. And then I got really involved. Literally every day was going to the ceramics studio and creating and having this therapeutic experience with that community of like creating with my hands. Oh, that's Um, nice. So that was probably like my, my first real experience of community in San Jose at San Jose State specifically. Um, But I wasn't in anything, I wasn't in any sort of leadership role in that space. Um, I wasn't doing any form of organization or curation. Mm -hmm. I was just more there like connecting with people on the common ground that we wanted to make clay things. So (laughs) so yeah, that was kind (laughs) of like um, the extent of that. I also was part of the printmaking guild for a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, They're called the Fresh Pressed guild so i was part of that for a bit when i started getting into screen printing mm-hmm. um but other than that yeah not really super involved like super isolated um i felt really lonely for like a lot of my undergrad oh, and wow. then as i started to like get to know the the spaces that i was in and the things that people have been doing before i even got to san jose right started to feel that connection to the people around me so it, it feels like um, what you experienced in San Jose, that sort of isolation kind of brought you to prevent yourself from being isolated after college, right? Would you say that like you grew into the role of leadership because, um, and we'll get to that later, mm-hmm. but um, it seems that you're being more involved in the uh, planning aspect, the execution, the curation aspect. Um, how did you get to that point? Because if you weren't doing any leadership roles in college, you know, mm-hmm. what, what changed? I don't think anything changed. I think I've always been like a leader in my own way, like whether it's in group projects or Mm -hmm. I always would find myself um, taking on a leadership role. And I I've learned that like even our dynamics in our if we do have a group project right in classes, it kind of depends on the people in that space. Right. So if you see somebody else kind of taking on a leadership role, you may or may not like step back a little bit and be like, oh, someone's kind of taking it on. I can work with them. Um, but if you see like this vacuum where like no one's really taking that space mm-hmm. and no one's really like getting shit done, um, then you have to like, you know, if you yeah, have a group project yeah. and no one's doing anything right, like you're like, then okay, well, I don't want to fail. So like, let's right. let me do everything mm-hmm. um, or let me start to delegate roles or try to create structure. So me taking on, I don't think it was something switched. It was more like I saw this space for literally a space, right? Like for my home um, and starting to create something out of that. I don't think I, when I'm in it, I I didn't think of it as a leadership position necessarily, but like Mm -hmm. 
it is, but I, that wasn't maybe my intention. Sure. Um, and then through Be The Change, working at the yoga studio, although I started as an intern doing work trade, as I got more involved and then they needed support for their summer programs with their nonprofit Conscious San Jose, mm-hmm. I started asking, hey, can I do lead some like arts activities? And I started asking if I could get more involved because I realized that I had all of these resources that I wanted to share with others and art is so vital to my well-being and I wanted to share that with others. Right. And um, so I just started seeing like these little, I guess like pockets where I could share with mm-hmm. others. And that's really what like Martha was, Martha Street's about, but that's also how I started getting more involved in the yoga or wellness community, however you want to categorize it. But um, just seeing these pockets of like need that I'm like, hey, I might not be able to fix these problems, but like I have this knowledge and I have these resources okay. that I could share with others. Cool. Yeah. So so did you start Martha Street at Night Art like... Um, really early on or how how old is that so that started in november of 2018 okay so that was the very first event that we had we're about to have our sixth one so yeah that was the very first one um when i first started it so my housemates that i and there's been like shifts of who lives in the home now but we lived in this apartment downtown and every year so i've moved to san jose in 2013 every single year i've moved um so i've lived in six different apartments since (laughs) i moved to san jose um but this place i moved into with my friends i have a couple homies that live there that i've known for several years from san jose state Mm -hmm. and everyone that lived there is a creative person for the most part um Gabe, he's a ceramicist. I met him through San Jose State Ceramics Program. Nice. Um, Jesse, I met through Gabe, but Jesse was really into like video and like film, like editing and photography and mm-hmm. started, started getting into graphic design. Um, and Jose also liked to draw. So I was living with these people that love to create just to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would sit together at the table in the evening, like whenever our schedule synced up, because we all have like a million things going on and we would just all draw together, you know, like oh, that's cool, yeah. hang out and draw. So um, when I started the first event, I remember my housemate Gabe had made a joke about like, because whenever we would draw, we'd like pin our stuff to the walls, right? Yeah, I saw that. I attended one of the events. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the audience that don't know, Martha Street Art is like an event where a lot of artists kind of showcase their their work and mm-hmm. uh, you have vendors you have music you have coffee i saw last time yeah tono yeah. was there last time yeah cool. so um the very first show was like super informal uh gabe had made a comment like hey like what if we had a gallery here or, like we basically have a gallery here because we would just pin our like really crappy sketches <laughs> to the wall and i was like yeah let's do a gallery and they're like oh yeah okay And then I started like, I chose a date and I was Mm -hmm. like, hey, it's going to be us. We're going to show our art and let's invite a couple of friends to show their art too. So we invited my friend Aaron, Aaron Pettigrew. Um, And then we also invited uh, my housemate, Jose. He had a friend named Angel who he's like, hey, my like, I know this guy that draws too. Like, can we have him? I was like, sure, why not? And so our very first show and again, like they thought I was kidding when I made the the comment (laughs) and then like. I had made a flyer and I started sending it to people because we had no social media for it at this point. I was like, I just thought like Martha Street, sure, that's like a temporary name. If I want to change it later, I can if it becomes a thing. But like, 
we live on Martha Street. In San Jose. Martha Street. Right. Yeah, in San Jose. So um, I had made this flyer, started like to text it to my homies. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a week away and my housemates are like, oh shit, she was serious. She really <laughs> yeah. wants to do this. So <laughs> we started like trying to figure out like, okay, how are we going to do this? Like, what do we want to structure it like? Mm-hmm. And literally the first show was like, up and down the walls we had our art like even sketches pulled from our sketchbooks like super informal um pinned our stuff to the walls all my housemates except for one had like put their artwork up and then the two other guys that participated and the first one was really just like a rager like it was mostly like a party like with art on the wall and you know we had like gotten this keg that we were giving out for free and it ran out in like an hour like, that, <laughs> and you know we just had like homies that we invited and it was really just like a party but um, that's how it all starts that's though, how it started right, right? yeah like, super informal you don't know what's gonna happen you're just having fun with friends yeah. and all that so mm-hmm. yeah that's that's cool yeah so that was the start that was the very first martha street art night in uh, november 2018 that was the very first one <laughs> okay and and since then like how has it grown because um i know you have a team now that's you know behind the planning and mm-hmm. the curation um how has it grown since then so um each time it shifts based on what i learned from the prior time so um the very second show I tried to curate the art a little bit more. I started using Google spreadsheets and mm-hmm. like created Google forms to send to the artists. So I'm like, okay. Trying to be more organized. More a little organized, bit. figuring out, okay, how can I get other people involved and in making sure? Because from there, I was like, hey, like people really enjoyed this and had fun. And it's yeah. kind of cool to see people excited about art and like community. So for the second one, I'm like, you know, I really want to set an intention for holding space for artists that wouldn't necessarily have access to um, these spaces otherwise. Okay. Whether, um, you know, making sure that there's women, making sure there's people of color, uh, making sure that there's like the queer and trans community represented, um, because inclusion can only really happen if you're like actively including those folks in your spaces so it was like hey how do i be intentional about this and start to reach out to folks that are like they have some dope art <laughs> so um then i started like utilizing still didn't have an in- instagram for ourselves but i was using social media to like contact for my personal mm-hmm. and then um so the second show i wanted i don't remember if it was the second or the third show we had we had like one or two performers we had emily she dj'd from our very first show um, but we didn't have live performers other than that. And then my um, friend Renee, her boyfriend Christian, had brought a guitar, but we didn't have any equipment, so we had nothing to plug it into. So, like, <laughs> no one could hear him playing. And I was like, yeah. I don't know anything about technical things. Yeah, so, yeah. like, well, he could still play guitar. He's having fun. Mm-hmm. But each time figuring out, like, troubleshooting. Um, and then I think it was our third show that we had our first, like, more structured version of mm-hmm. performances and um, my housemate Jesse helped me with the lineup and Brendan Quigley he provided his uh, sound equipment and he like managed the performers through it and so I think it was like I believe the third one that was the first one where we had like a a lineup yeah yeah (laughs) and then um so it was interesting because as we started integrating performers, we started seeing different folks in the space because it wasn't only the visual artists. We were also celebrating the performing artists right. uh, with the same intentions, right, of holding space for, like, those marginalized communities. Underrepresented, underrepresented people. Underrepresented yeah. people, right. Um, so 
each time it's like developed like even the second event had vendors in the backyard and then i realized it got so crammed because there were so many people in the yard Mm -hmm. watching um the music performances that there wasn't space and it so each time i'm troubleshooting figuring out logistical things just incrementally improving incrementally improving um, which is which is the way to go you can't get everything right the first time right yeah or the second or Or the third third, or or even now like each time it's going to be different because you even have like weather factors right Mm -hmm. um and then the the one we had in august so that was our fifth one um, and in between, we had like one art exchange, which was we had a couple resident artists that like had their work on display and people came and drew. Yeah. Because I always try to have uh, every single event since the first one, we've had a community mural. And then sometimes there's been a drawing table where people like for me, right, when I go into public spaces to socialize, I typically have a sketchbook with me because it helps me process the stimulus around me. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of times for artists that are that get social anxiety, um, having those spaces is really important for them right. to feel safe and to still be able to be part of something um, without you know getting anxious being around That's all true. these people. Some people like to just stay stay in, do their work, and yeah. not really interact with people. Mm-hmm. So allowing that space for them to you know co create with each other, but also like sit, being able to sit there and like draw and do something they love and connect with other people that love to do similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, each time it's like grown a little bit. Um, started to have vendors. We had um, the the August one. Um, we had, that was the first time I had like a team. So I had one of my housemates that used to, um, handle like the, the beer and the food. Mm -hmm. He moved out. And then the other housemate that used to help me with like the performance line out, he moved out and they also helped me with all like the day of setup. So I'm like, well, shit, like (laughs) I can't do this by myself, especially if more and more people are starting to attend because there were like over 200 people attending after like the second event there you go <laughs> and which is awesome but i'm also like well like i now i feel so overwhelmed that i like right. i want to do this thing yeah. um so i had put out a call like hey if you guys still want to see this happen is there anyone that can like help me mm-hmm. and hell people replied like they wanted to get involved which made me feel like it was something important oh, what yeah. was happening you know um and also i knew that i have i have my own biases and like being in my own head um is less likely to produce something that's like really for the community Mm -hmm. um but if there's more voices involved then it's going to be more dynamic and it's going to include more perspectives um Uh, that's interesting you say (laughs) that um because i know um obviously your your vision is to have a space for people who are underrepresented Mm -hmm. to um to showcase their work and um i guess that's your your north star i guess yeah. the, the, the the one point that focuses on like okay this is what we're going to do mm-hmm. um does that mean that you're kind of open with how it's going to be executed um because you know you started out with artwork you started out with music but maybe things changed were you pretty open with those kind of changes it, what do you mean in t- what types i guess of changes? so like for example the the first event you had your vision of mm-hmm. it and then now that you're adding more people they're they're adding their own ideas their like own intentions saying. and things right. right yeah so i think that retaining that core like whenever um when people did show interest i right. broke down to them like this is the core intention how that manifests 
is going to be open for interpretation, but the core intention always has to be um, this thing of, you know, providing avenues or spaces for folks from these communities. Right. Um, so that definitely was something that I communicated and something that I reiterate a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but also the people that wanted to get involved um, understood that. That's good, um, yeah. And then, like, leadership roles, right? Because... Again, like I have no clue. I'm not a performing artist. So I was like, mm -hmm. cool, your music's awesome. Let's have you perform if you would like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. And not understanding any of the logistical stuff. But um, Olivia and Christian have been like the primary one. Like we're the Martha team now. Mm -hmm. So um, Christian, he or Yes Yes. He also goes by Yes Yes. That's his performance name. But yeah, shout out to everyone that's helping shout out. Shout out to out Yes to Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Olivia. So Christian, he took on like the very first meeting. So the first day that like six people or so showed up that had contacted mm -hmm. about wanting to get involved. Um, we had a meeting and we I remember we were all in the yard and Christian showed up. He had performed at our prior event but I didn't really like meet him. I just said like, hey, what's up? I remember him like having his equipment and being right, like, right. they're not knowing if there was like a, a uh, what do they call it? Sound check. I was like, uh -huh. is there a sound check? I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> maybe there is. <laughs> whatever happens, happens. Sure, whatever happens, happens. It'll be cool either way. And, um, <laughs> but Christian came the first day and he was straight up like, hey, this is, what my feedback from the last event as a performer and as someone entering the space with like a perspective of a performing artist mm -hmm. and these are ways that i think that that could be like mitigated better and i would like to help you do that that's and I was great. like yeah cool do you want to <laughs> handle that <laughs> do you want you know and he really like took on this leadership position with that unique lens right because I have the, the visual artist lens, but I don't have the performing artist lens. Right. And as much as I can like try to hold space for that, like I don't truly understand it and I don't know the technical terms and I don't know like what it's like to be, you know, the, a performing artist. Yeah. And, and like what we said before we started this uh, podcast interview, it was, you know, people have their own strengths mm -hmm. and like we should trust people to handle other strengths that you're not really yeah. good at. So yeah. that, that's cool that you, you're you putting your trust into Christian. Yeah. And also the fact like, honestly, like when he first showed up and he was like critiquing, I'm like, what the fuck? Like this guy, <laughs> should, like this is like my first time sitting down with him. But that was like my ego, right? Like my ego oh, shooting sure. up yeah. right away. And yeah. then I was like, you know what? I really respect like within a split second, like I respect him for like being honest and yeah. being authentic. And because I can't, again, I can't see outside of myself. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I can't, I can't like I have my own biases. So um, from there, he really supported the performance side. Like he's the performer manager, I guess. Like, like yeah. that's what I, I'm like, oh no, talk to Christian. Like I'm yeah. like, Christian's got it. Um, and then Olivia, she's really been helping with like the flyers and also she just like shows up and she has really good input and insight, mm -hmm. has really good energy and they're both just like the most loving people. And so I know that they like their core intention is is community and love. And that's something that's really important to Martha Street too is like understanding, right? It's not a business. Um, people are like, you should make it a nonprofit. You should make money off this thing. Right. Which like I totally could, but that's not the purpose of it right it's community oriented and um really understanding like 
that there's this reciprocal exchange that exists beyond monetary exchange. Definitely. Um, and understanding how we can share that with each other and be abundant in that and knowing what co-creation really looks like. Yeah. And I think what's, what's amazing about that is that people are doing this and not getting paid for it. It's all mm-hmm. volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And you can tell if they're still doing the work and putting their time and effort into it, they really believe in the vision. Mm-hmm. They believe that they, you know, you guys can pull off a, a great event. Um, and it, it's, it's always amazing to see that because um, I have I have people um, like like that. Let's eat uh, team mm-hmm. over there. They're they're volunteer based, and um, they've had a team of thirty, forty people, um, maybe even more. And mm-hmm. it's 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 because the vision is something that everybody believes in. Yeah. And so it's it's nice to see something like Martha Sheetar to um, have these events. You know, follow this vision that you guys have and and execute it so Mm -hmm. i i really give you guys props for that thank you i appreciate it yeah and i and one thing that i've been really like and again it's always the struggle of like okay but we also like have to survive and like pay our bills right but we also want to like thrive and not be like stuck in this like capitalist like this or that system Mm -hmm. like it could be this and that and we can like exist amongst all of the complexities and um that's something that i feel like i've struggled off and on with um, there's a lot of folks that have recommended that I, I charge like entry mm-hmm. and it's something that I've struggled with a lot. And I'm like, no, the whole point was about access. And even if like it, I asked for a dollar per person, like that dollar can mean a lot to somebody and can be Fair like enough. the one preventative factor of them entering the space. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so super transparent that like there's no fee to enter, yeah. but therefore there's like no no pay for mm-hmm. anybody, including mm-hmm. um, myself and Christian and everyone. We meet literally every Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's something we're really committed to. And like, I'm a true believer that if something is not flowing, that it's probably not meant to be. And so as long as something flows, it's meant to be. And if you hit a point where it's not, you either need to change something or you need to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't hit that point yet, but you know, I'd, I don't think anything truly like will really last forever. Um, but I just want it to be authentic as long as it's happening. I just want like the experiences to be authentic. Um, now we're, I hadn't mentioned earlier, but we are going to host a curate, uh, two new events this mm-hmm. year outside of the Martha street home. So that'll be interesting to see like, what's the difference, like what crowds that draws in as opposed to having it in a home and at the Martha house, right? right Cause right. that's a big appeal of it. Um, but seeing like what, what other spaces that we can still provide a similar platform mm-hmm. um, outside of the home and hopefully provide uh, more opportunities for those artists and performers to like make money and yeah, and yeah. connect with other folks because a lot of collaborations have come out of it like music videos between oh, sure, um, collaborations sure. like a ton of collaborations have come out of just like these events or even um, connecting performers with each other like hey we don't have capacity for two separate performances for you guys but like would you be interested in, yeah. you know, collaborating on something or bringing your sounds together? Mm-hmm. And so it's been beautiful to see those types of co-creations. Yeah, happen. actually, um, I remember when I attended San Hochella mm-hmm. um, last year, uh, all the music performers ended up collaborating with each other. Nice, and there was like yeah. nobody important, Shecky, Dov, Thick Rick, like all mm-hmm. those guys just 
um, met up, did, made music together. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's really cool to see that and like offer those opportunities mm-hmm. for people to connect, to network. Um, shout outs to Small High as well for High, yeah. for the meetup. That's how we mm-hmm. met actually. For that, yeah, that's how you and I met. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it, it's it's funny because like you know it, I don't think I would have met you unless we met through the meetup mm-hmm. um i wouldn't have met like people from san hochella un- unless mm-hmm. i went there and so it it's hard definitely to not take in money mm-hmm. and it's but it's, it's amazing that you guys are able to do so much with your own basically your own time and effort your own money and stuff like that so yeah it's yeah. It's, it's hard <laughs> and do, do you guys um i know you don't want to take outside investments or anything but have you guys thought about like how how you might handle the situation when it comes where you're like oh we're we're hitting a, a limit we're hitting that that point maybe mm-hmm. when you i don't know like your plans for outside of the house but mm-hmm. you know maybe there's a fee where you have to pay for renting a space or something mm-hmm. um have you guys talked about that have you figured yeah. out what what you might be open to because it is so grassroots, if I did take money from any sort of outside sponsor mm-hmm. or whatever or organization, it would have to be in alignment. Um, but for the ones that we are looking, the two events that we're curating, that's going to be at the um, 455 First Street, which is where Donut Day was. Okay. Um, we are going to do a sliding scale entry fee. So that will be something that is unique. We are only really, we're having to pay for um insurance but other than that like we don't have to pay a fee for the space because um they really want to have like local people Mm -hmm. hosting things in the space and utilizing it well because it's going to be demolished right right i heard about that space um so that's something again like this idea that we have all these resources and assets to share with one another so i'm really grateful to have access to this space Mm um and knowing that we can at least even though we don't know upfront how much we can pay the artists, we know we can pay them because there is going to be an admission fee for right. it, right? Um, and then t- thinking about like what other sponsorships we have been thinking about, like what sponsorships make sense for a specific event. So mm-hmm. one event we're doing is a fashion show. So even things were like, well, if we have like disco balls or if we have mannequins, right? Like those are expensive. So are there any businesses that we could partner with or Mm -hmm. could we like um, work with, I don't know, black and brown and like they can, there can be something, some sort of reciprocation where we could borrow their mannequins, but maybe they can be involved somehow. Right. What is black and brown? Sorry. It's a, um, I guess like a consignment shop in San Jose. Okay. Um, It's, just like a small shop in I guess on like the cusp of I don't know if it's considered to be in midtown San Jose but it's like the cusp of downtown Mm -hmm. and they do more like vintage wear but that's just like an example of you know a space like that where we can still utilize local resources but maintaining that reciprocation like what is that reciprocation look like like what is this relationship is it one-sided is there um exploitation on either side which I think is the larger problem of working with corporations or tech companies is like are they like what is the reciprocation or what is their intention versus ours and i think that's easier to work with on a smaller scale um and then even thinking of what other businesses we can form a partnership with that are local yeah yeah. uh, where there's something 
equally shared between two the two of us yeah um and so that is definitely something that we've been talking about i applied to my for my first grant last year so and we still don't i still don't know if i won it we won't know till march but i'm like hey if i win this grant i can pay all the artists right, right, right. that um that's nice so i mean there is the grant making process but even that process isn't very accessible um, and knowing that we all have like a million hustles in the Bay Area, like having the time to sit down and write a long ass grant isn't always yeah. like you don't always it's not have top priority. No, yeah. not top priority. Like <laughs> I, I could probably it would be quicker for me to like sell my liver than like <laughs> to sit down and, you know, have to go through this grant writing process because it's very similar to writing a scholarship. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. And then utilizing like specific language, gathering data. And mm. it's a, it's, it's a, a huge really, it's not easy. Like people, a lot of times people make it sound really easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also ha- having access to the language that you need in order to acquire a grant or, you know, the connections that you need. So um, for me, I've been really trying to, again, like that relationship building, that's kind of how I started getting involved in the art scene, but also like how I've continued to spread my involvement in it is just by like getting to know people, getting to understand what they do, what their intentions are, and how we can work together with other organizations and other folks in the community to um, help one another, support one another, uh, to tap into each other for our resources. Um, I think especially in San Jose, like with the issues around gentrification Mm -hmm. and the hostility like amongst communities and and the tech companies or, you know, whatever, like whatever the wars are going on right, right, right. in our communities. Um, and then figuring like, how do I, how do I navigate that? And how do I ethically find money? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that, um, like since I've met David from mm-hmm. small high and I, I've met a few uh, people like you and uh, other performers and people who, who are, um, curating events, mm-hmm. I think, there is actually a, a good enough community, like a local community, grassroots community in San Jose that's like, you guys are all supporting each other. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that someone will be there to help you guys out. Like, uh, I, I really believe that San Jose is really strong with that. Yeah. And and you guys will kind of fight through like all these issues. Yeah, I so. agree. And I think also, I mean, we all have our day jobs too, right? Like, yeah, that's my, true. my day job allows me to also like fund whatever I need to fund. Like if I need to pay for something out of pocket, like if we got to buy paint for 70 bucks from a store so we could repaint the walls for the gallery space, like I have the money to do that because of the other work I'm doing too. So um, I can also use like that work that I do to fuel these other, you know, passions, I guess, of mine, because they're all interrelated. Like my teaching is related to the community work I'm doing. It all has the same core yeah. intention. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I did want to kind of segue to mm-hmm. your, your teaching job because mm-hmm. um, you you are teaching art, right? Yeah. <laughs> could, could you explain more about um, what, what you do, um, who you teach to and mm-hmm. all of that? Yeah. So um, I this is my first full year, my second year at James Lick High School, which is in the East Side Alam Rock community. So East Side Union High School District. Um, and last year I was finishing up my student teaching the first semester and I had been at Santa Clara High School before. And with my mentorship there, um, I didn't feel supported and I had tried to teach a uh, unit on the intersections of social justice, racism, and the history and photography. 
and I was I felt very shut down for being able to teach that. So I was like, I was like, okay, well, can I potentially switch schools so that I have you know I really want during my student teaching to expand and really push myself and challenge myself to teach this kind of content. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was placed at James Lake High School, and I remember when I was first placed. Um, like the first week I was like, wow, this is like way different than the population of Santa Clara high school in terms of, you know, like behavior, um, a lot of gang issues at the school. And I remember like, I was still in my teaching program at the time. And this girl that I was in the program with was like, oh my God, you're at James Lick. Like I was there last year and it was so terrible. And I was like, oh "Oh God, like (laughs) what did I get myself into? Like I did, you know, I was only a couple days into my student teaching, but I didn't really have much context. And then I was like, every day I would go, I was like, I love these kids. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I started to really connect with these students. And um, something that I have learned from like my upbringing and my, uh, I'm, I'm originally from Sacramento, but like from my elementary education and my high school education, both, I never had a single teacher that looked like me. Like I, it took me to get to college to have like a Latina teacher. Mm-hmm. Um and prior to that, I had I had mostly like white, maybe like one or two Asian teachers growing up. Um, so I never saw myself like reflected in like these people that were educating me. Um, and so I felt as I was teaching at James Lick, knowing that it's primarily a Latinx community, mm-hmm. um, just because of the color of my skin, the kids are going to feel a different kind of connection to right, me. Right, right. Um, there's just a common ground that you share knowing that like, okay, we're both people of color. We both experience like similar, similar things, struggles, similar yeah. struggles, right? Um, and I, I started to like see... Um, the spaces that these students, the wisdom that the kids are bringing to the space based on their experience, despite having like all these negative narratives, because James Lick has a huge reputation in the East Side in general of being like ghetto, being right. a dumping ground, like all these really um, traumatic narratives that like mm-hmm. the kids carry with them, whether they're like, you know, aware of it or not. Right, right. Um, I think East Side San Jose is kind of not as affluent as other areas of yeah. San Jose, right? Yeah, as a whole, there's definitely little pockets like affluent communities, like Evergreen Val or Evergreen High School oh, right. is like right. known to be a more affluent school. Like, um, but there's definitely ways of of um, over time that I mean, through re- like the zoning or whatever historically has happened to get these marginalized communities in like pockets mm-hmm. and um, to keep resources away from them, yeah. um, which is just structured into San Jose and how it was built. Um, but working with these kids and really starting to understand like, whoa, these kids, like they're incredible people and they're resilient and they've like been through a lot of shit and mm-hmm. They have a lot going on at home and they have like language barriers and they have, um, you know, they don't have the things that like I had growing up. And a lot of them are like, you know, they don't necessarily even want to be at school, (laughs) you know, because the system has never served them. Um, And so really like what I had discovered through being a teacher at James Lake is like it's really not even about what I'm teaching like in terms of the academic content Mm -hmm. it's really about like what relationships am i building just like with my community work right just like getting involved in the art scene is like what relationship am i building with them and like what do they need and how can i support them and how can like we work together to do something that's like to serve them to Mm -hmm. fulfill like you know a need or um 
you know, whether a kid is really interested in art and I know I can like really help challenge them as an artist or a creative person. And I've had a couple of students like interested in pursuing art, which I'm like, oh, that's so yeah, great. yeah, go for it. <laughs> and one girl, she had decided because her counselor had told her, oh, don't do art. You, you can't get a job. You should do psychology. And then she ended up switching. And I was like, you should talk to me. Like, right, right. <laughs> we could talk about, you know, careers in art. But um, even then, like a lot of my kids, they show up and they literally don't want to be at school. You mm-hmm. know, they're failing every class. They get in trouble all the time. They get kicked out of their classes. Yeah, yeah. And then that's, you know, a lot of times what happens is like they get in trouble. It goes on their record. Then there's mm-hmm. the school to prison pipeline where like things start getting on their record. Yeah. And then, you know it's all logged because yeah. everything is in a database now like referrals are all in a database so um yeah i mean it's been a very interesting journey like really learning to connect with these kids and and seeing that i can be a model in their life of like love and understanding like they don't have to they don't have to take everything so seriously and you know showing up to a space every day whether you want to or not there's something that you can get out of that experience for sure um and just like really just at the end of the day wanting them to know that i love them when they leave the room what's very interesting is you provide like a safe space Mm -hmm. for people to kind of think about things outside of academics right because you're asking about their health their day what's going on Mm -hmm. with like what they're eating for breakfast all of that and having that space to um focus on themselves to Mm -hmm. express with art right whether it's bubble wrap spray paint whatever Mm -hmm. like they can express themselves and i think that's what's amazing about art because like having an art class is is totally different from math physics Mm -hmm. biology people are allowed to express themselves and yes there there there's a grade after you know after you Mm -hmm. finish that class after you graduate or whatever but um there's just so many more opportunities with art to express themselves and Mm -hmm. to create something you know whether they want to do it with clay or spray paint or anything so i i think that's what's important about art important about music important about all these extracurricular activities Mm -hmm. and this kind of what i want to segue to you know the the east side union high school district Mm -hmm. you just had that meeting on thursday where they're thinking of budget cuts yes right yeah like what what happened and what what was the conclusion because um i guess talk about the backstory and all of that okay so um i want to say it was the beginning of the school year we we were told that we were going to have budget cuts Mm -hmm. and there was a lack of transparency in terms of what that meant Mm -hmm. um or where the numbers were coming from and there was a day i remember the superintendent came to our school because he was doing going to different schools to like talk about these cuts and the superintendent sent us this spreadsheet that showed basically like current positions and the positions that they're proposing to lay off. Right. And I remember reading it and being like, uh, what? <laughs> like they're going to lay off almost every custodian, every single advisor, every single counselor, every single parent outreach specialist, mm-hmm. athletics directors, activities directors, 
very vital roles to our school, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to our students' social-emotional health, to their academic achievement, to their athletic growth, like for those that really want to pursue their uh, sports, The extracurriculars. Right? All the extracurriculars, yeah. right? So I remember seeing that and like not really taking it seriously. I'm like, that can't be like real. That's like their worst-case scenario proposal, right? Okay. Um, knowing that there will be like teachers laid off as well, but not knowing what that how many right so mm -hmm. they purposely were leaving everything so vague um and then i want to say so at this point still there was no communication to families that there's budget cuts like right right um maybe about three weeks ago i started telling my students about them and they had no idea no one had told them like over 23 million dollars of budget cuts in our school district and nobody is talking about it yes yeah, trying they're trying to do it behind the scenes they're or something trying right? to do it behind the scenes keep it quiet keep people uninformed and what was even more surprising is like the principal didn't reach out and talk tell communities um or parents other teachers weren't talking about it to each other or to the kids and i'm just like this is weird like why is no one talking about this this is just strange to me mm -hmm. um because i was mad i was like very pissed off about the situation and i was i was just trying to inform the kids i showed them a graph of um or this chart that showed the ranking of the the states in the u.s and how they fund education and how the california is 39th in that mm -hmm. list in terms of per pupil funding and how we have the fifth largest economy in the world Right. And yet we're ranked 39th in per pupil funding. And there's something off about that. Like right? <laughs> our, our priority prioritization on, on education yeah. is not that high. No, it's terrible. And at the end of the day, they basically uh, voted to continue with the cuts. Mm -hmm. um, they like all, all the cuts that they mm -hmm. were suggesting. Yeah, because um, you're literally <clears throat> laying off every counselor. So those are the kids that give a, they advise the kids of like what classes to take yeah and mm. and maybe like a lot of like what college to go to what yeah. major all of that exactly right? if you lay off every counselor like how are the kids gonna have that support right yeah that's they gonna already... be hard to navigate like mm -hmm. how i've been explaining it is it like it's not about me it's because i can find work i can find jobs i'll be okay but it's like the kids they don't have another option they yeah. have to stay at that school <laughs> like I, they can't go I, somewhere I agree. else <laughs> yeah i think the call to action like for anyone who's listening um you know if you have family friends like parents that are that have kids in those schools mm -hmm. like they should you know speak up yeah speak speak up and and just make sure that their voices are heard and maybe we can reverse some of that yeah um, hopefully because the students are the future and like mm -hmm. if we're not giving support to the students that's you know that's going to be bad for the for their future mm -hmm. for our future for the city of san jose yeah. like i i think in that in that case like we we all have to at least chip in to to keep that community strong mm -hmm. uh, especially the the supporting roles because like even though they're taking math class physics you know stuff like that like the supporting roles are especially extracurriculars mm -hmm. like uh, counseling sports um art like those are what kind of keep people away from the streets, uh, yeah. keep people interested in things that they uh, might pursue in the future. Mm -hmm. And and so I think you know we should we should at at least try to take some action, mm -hmm. speak up if possible. I mean these cuts are happening all around California because again it it's a statewide issue and 
I mean, it's a it's a bigger issue in terms of funding education, but it's just unfortunate that it continues to most deeply impact the communities that, you know, they are already lacking resources yeah, yeah. Um, or access to those resources. I really wonder if, like, um, you have to create your own community, your own set of, like, opportunities for the students to um, find these extra extracurricular activities outside mm-hmm. of school funded yeah. school supported school uh, sponsored ways yeah um i think you know like with martha's martha street art and like all creating all these different communities like outside of school maybe we can try to make up for the things that are being cut mm-hmm. and i want to so. definitely like continue to support whether or not i'm laid off like i definitely want to continue to support like that community yeah. and seeing like how how I mean, I've even thought of uh, mentorship programs between like San Jose State and students in the East right, Side, right? right like, right. why is that? Why is that not existing? Or why are these partnerships not happening mm-hmm. um, between really like vital orga- organizations or groups in our communities or in San Jose? Like even, um, and again, like we can't necessarily expect of like corporations because they're their own entities. But I think the state really needs to do a better job, and the city needs to do a better job of like supporting um people that are trying to do this community work and like trying to do the hard work because it's really like comes down to the money side of things like how do i i i of course can have this idea of a mentorship program but if there's no funding for it or if i don't have funding and then i have to seek the funding like where's that money coming from because i could do the organizational side i could do the administrative things but it's like the money like we need money in the world to function right yeah (laughs) it's like catch 22 but (laughs) i i think that kind of goes back to our first kind of topic about like if if there's a vision there's a mission and Mm -hmm. people really believe in that they you know there there might be opportunities where people the the funding won't matter and mm-hmm. you can kickstart that, yeah. right? Like um, students who want to volunteer, mm-hmm. um, create a club within San Jose State. And, you know, people are volunteering. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like, uh, you know, like fraternities that um, do community service. They're like, like Alpha Phi Omega. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they do that um, once in a while. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's really cool what people are doing. You mm-hmm. never know what, you know, what kind of people have the same mission, same vision. That's true. Alignment. Yeah, that's something that definitely probably the one, probably the two biggest takeaways from like my last couple years of teaching and community organizing is like building relationships right. is vital um, and intention is so important. Like understanding the people you're working with and what their intentions are. Mm-hmm. And is like that intention rooted out of community or is it rooted out of ego? Because it's. Sometimes it's both, but um, I'm always looking for that like community element. Like even yeah, even yeah. for like Martha Street, um, when I send out the Google form, um, I have a question about like what does creative community mean to you, mm-hmm. and I'm like I take that very seriously um, because like we're not all just here for ourselves. <laughs> like we cannot right. expand and grow um, in isolation. Like as individuals, we can only expand and grow together. And what is our like our our community intention and how do we like make the how do we manifest it and how do we work together to do that um and i that's kind of like the mission i'm also working on my my masters and like on my way here i was kind of <laughs> thinking through like my thesis because i need to start working on it because it's yeah. due in a month but <laughs> good luck procrastinating. With that. <laughs> but like it all right comes back to like this rootedness and like our intention and in community yeah. um for me so for my thesis i 
my whole grad program, I focused on our education mm-hmm. and the intersections of wellness and social justice. Um, but beyond like the more specific scope of our education, I've really seen this thread between like uh, creative um, endeavors and like art making, being a creative person and how that's connected to like our liberation as we can like express ourselves authentically show up as ourselves um and do that with each other and co-create imagine new worlds like where we can be ourselves and have uh, liberation for all Mm -hmm. um and also like actively informing each other of oppressive histories and like contemporary issues that are happening that continue to oppress our own communities and others because um, it really comes down to like solidarity. We have to show up for each other, whether or not, yeah. even if we don't feel it directly impacts us, it does. Yeah. Um, and so figuring out like how to navigate all these worlds of whether it's like the nonprofit world or public education system or mm-hmm. um, philanthropies or like grassroots organizing, like all these things that it's an ecosystem. And how do we find like a common thread where we can uplift each other and not burn out and not be like in this competitive mindset all the time because there's so much like scarcity mindset that there's not enough when there's really like abundance everywhere. Yeah. Right. Like there's people like you that like welcome others into their home and like allow them space to share their story and what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's people that are actively trying to connect with others and provide platforms for them. Um, and I think they're just like, there needs to be more of that. And there needs to be more of us holding space for each other and listening. Like that's another big lesson. (laughs) Like listening is a huge thing. Um, like being present is part of that, but like just really being present and deeply listening and not just hearing the words, but like hearing what's being said. Cause those are two different things. Yeah. Um, and then being able from there to respond and like hold space for that. Yeah. Openness, inclusion, community, like Mm -hmm. it all revolves around that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I I wish you luck on that. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to what you have in store for Martha street art, um, for, um, you know, good luck with the education space. And, um, I, I really am looking forward to everything. Thank you so much. We're going to have a fashion show in the springtime. And we're also going to have um, a woman of crea- color creative showcase. Uh, we're still thinking of like a cute name for both of them. But I will keep you in the loop of those. But I'm really excited to like continue to at least work with what I have. I'm like, of course, there's a lot of like bad shit that happens in the world <laughs> all the time. That's out of yeah. my control. Yeah. And all that I can control is like what's in front of me. And all I can do is like love the people around me yeah. and um, have spaces where we can do that together. Cool. So um, if people want to follow you on social media, mm-hmm. on um, Instagram websites, uh, where should they go? So I have a website, artandflow, A-R-T-N-F-L-O-W.com. And then I have my Instagram, which is artandflow. I think it has two W's. It may have three. <laughs> I'll put it in the show two notes. Two or three. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something like that. Because my email has like two or three and then my Instagram has like one more one. I don't know. <laughs> right. And then there's the Martha Street Art Night Instagram page where you can um, we'll continue to promote our events through there. Uh, I try to also use it as a platform to communicate other events, but also um, like what other uh, issues are happening in our community, whether it's like the Google protests or whether it's um, things such as like the budget cuts. So, so using it also as like a platform for informing. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
stay up to date with Martha Street events through that page. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica, for coming. Thank you. <laughs>